right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Looking for a home run ball. Gets it into Love. KU not fouling. Love fades, shoots. He misses. He misses. And Kansas will win. It's a banger for Kansas basketball. Your Jayhawks are champions and we're gonna have brian on the show later today he'll join us here in the five hour on rock jock sports talk we've also got brandon mcanderson joining the show later this hour john kirby will join us at the four o'clock hour talking to ku football with the uh, spring preview coming up tomorrow i'm gonna be out there with the 105.9 kiss crew we're gonna be located over by the practice fields 10 30 to 12 30 we're gonna have our prize wheel spinning it and you can uh win free stuff and um, t-shirts, tickets, all sorts of stuff. So come on by. You can have the the color changing cups. I don't know. Those I are don't pretty know popular. I, I don't want to promise those if they're not going to be there. But they, uh, I would assume out, so. When we're outside the Granada, the Granada ahead of the Final Four game, um, they were giving away these cool T-Mobile cups that when it's cold, when the drink is cold, changes color. So those are pretty slick. Yeah. So uh, be on the lookout for those and many others. RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. Chat, share, and stream on America's 5G network. And guess what? Unlimited 5G is included in all plans at T-Mobile at no extra cost. T-Mobile, we cover more people and places than anyone else. So there's been a lot of talk. I I think, uh, I don't know, it's either the NCAA account or Fox, I don't know, somebody, about like who's the best current coach in in college basketball. And it showed like a graphic with five coaches on it, Jim Beheim was on there just out yeah, of seniority, I, was say, I, I think. I can think of two that probably didn't belong yeah. in Beheim And uh, is no no disrespect, Izzo and Beheim are, are clear Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. some of the greatest ever. So don't, you know, but I, I, I wouldn't put them. I think it was clearly between Self, Wright, and Calipari. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, I, I, I could succeed. I could, I'd feel confident trying to make an argument for any one of those three. The other two guys... Not sure. See, Izzo, I'm actually fine. Because if, like, 2019, uh, Michigan State loses to Texas Tech in the Final Four it, after beating that really good Duke team. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. If that Michigan State team wins the title, then he's very much in the discussion. Right? And I get it. That's yeah, but that's the, the thing. I mean, the other that side is the of that, if, yeah. if, 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 if KU, I mean, it's no question that, that Self is the greatest if KU gets going and their comeback on Kentucky in 2012 a little earlier. Right. Because they, no, they put a clear scare into Kentucky in 12. It's that old saying, if my aunt had a uh, yeah, yeah, being yeah. my uncle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't but know the, if the, I can say that. Well, I, I know what you mean. If if um, my dad, and, and this wasn't my dad, he didn't come up with it, but if um, if ands and butts were candy and mutts, it would be a Merry Christmas or something <laughs> right, like that. Yeah. You know, so, you know. Um, but nonetheless. But the point is, I, I would say it's, I actually think it's between self and right. Now, Calipari has a pretty hefty lead on final fours over self. What does he have? Seven? So he has four with Kentucky, question mark, one with 
Massachusetts, one with six. If he, if he only has four with Kentucky, then he has six total. He might have five. I, I thought he had five with Kentucky. Regardless, I think he's got an edge over self uh, and and right. Right and self both have the same amount of Final Fours and the same amount of titles. I think they're neck and neck. I would lean self. Um, and again, every you know, it's, it's rock chalk sports talk, so nobody, it, everybody knows who we who we cheer for. But even I don't think it's crazy and and, and automatically a homer take to say self because um, he's never been. Go back to when he was in Illinois. Bill Self in two thousand one, he was a one seed. In two thousand two, he was a four. In two thousand three, I think he was a five. So every year since 2001, he's been a five seed or better, and he's been in the tournament every single year. Whereas Jay Wright's missed some tournaments. Um, since he's gotten Villanova back going, he's missed some tournaments. I think he missed it in 2019, didn't he? No. Was it? Maybe it was six. No, the last time he didn't make the tournament was 2012. Oh, it's been that long. Okay, mm-hmm. then never mind. Okay, so he'd had so he'd been to a Final Four by then um, in '09. But the point is, self like Jay Wright has some seasons as like a 12 seed. Now you could argue KU was in a great, great spot um, once self got to Lawrence, and and that's true. Um, and and he built it to something even bigger than it was, and even better than it was under Roy. Whereas Jay Wright took over a program that was lower and and got it to where it is, and, and that deserves a ton of credit. So, um, I think it's pretty clearly Wright and Self because I think you start with the championships and then you go from there. But it's not crazy to say. I mean, Calipari's great, um, and and Bayheim and and Izzo are great too. But I I just I think it's I think it's between Wright and Self. Yeah, and I I think I agree with that. It is, but. I mean, it's it's one that like if you just boil it down and say, well, they both have two championships and they both have four Final Fours, then yes, it sounds dead even. I think there is even a like I, I'm tempted to say it is tier one Bill Self, tier two Jay Wright, tier three everyone everybody else, else. because that's possible. I I don't think, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I'll let you finish, but just when you think about um Self, it's it's the it's they're even everywhere else in tournament success. And Self has gobs of mm-hmm. conference titles, freakish amounts of conference yes. titles. And, and like that's, Gonzaga level. They're at a power six conference, and he's dominated it almost to the level that Gonzaga has dominated the West Coast Conference. Okay, so um, both these coaches have, have coached for about the same amount of time. For, for Jay Wright, it's 28 seasons. For Bill Self, it's 29. Now, this is encompassing their whole career. For Bill Self, that's Kansas, that's Oral Roberts, that's Tulsa, that's Illinois. For Jay Wright, that's Villanova. It's also Hofstra, where he was at from 1994 through 2001. But overall, I mean, if you're looking at the whole resume, Bill Self has a 77 win percentage. Jay Wright's at 69.5. Jay Wright has 10 regular season conference championships. Bill Self has 20. Jay Wright has seven conference tournament championships. Bill Self has 10. And again, if you want to narrow this down and and just take away the, like if you want to just compare their resumes, Villanova versus Kansas, Jay Wright has, let's see, eight regular season conference titles at Villanova and five conference tournament titles at Villanova, whereas Bill Self has, what, 16 regular season at Kansas and eight or nine postseason? Is that right? 
I feel like his ninth was yeah his ninth was uh, was this past year. His so there ninth, we go. His ninth tournament, Big Twelve tournament. Title. So that on its own. Then if you want to look at um, NCAA tournament appearances, Bill Self has twenty three. Jay Wright has eighteen. Bill Self in the NCAA tournament fifty five and twenty one. Jay Wright's thirty four and sixteen. So Bill Self only has five more losses in the tournament, but he has twenty one more one more wins. Oh my goodness! So again, if you just want to look at it as championships and Final Fours, and, and if you want to be the guy who's all about ring culture and that stuff, then yes, they're very even. Both have crazy epic victories in the title game over North Carolina. Yeah, that too. That's funny. By exactly three. It's hilarious that both of those guys are have given North Carolina their only championship game losses. Bill that's Self a good and point. Jay Rice. So yeah, they are similar, but. Like I, I said, I, I think the edge goes to self when you look at. I agree. He's his rate like I tur- you know the tournament you know I you know you're right the the ring culture and and trophies matter and banners matter and I, I would say like if you want to tell me you're gonna win like like Kentucky in in um, 2012 if you want to tell me I guarantee you a national championship victory this year. But next year you're going to lose in the NIT. I think most fans would take that. Mm-hmm. That, but you know those those deals don't always work out. But the fact is, Self has more rings now than Calipari, equal in, in rings with, with Jay Wright, equal in Final Fours with Jay Wright, and so he's stepped up in terms of tournament success. And now you all of that kind of insane. Uh, regular season success has kind of been it really got validated this year mm-hmm. um and so now it's it's kind of like okay he's equal he's equaled them in postseason success now you really can start talking about the absurd regular season dominance that KU yeah. has enjoyed under Bill Smith. well yeah and this is what's funny too if you want to say okay but that's taken too much into account of maybe Jay Wright before he became what he is now like he's a different guy now so it goes since 2010 okay because 2010 yeah. starting in 2010 they had they each had one final four well, let's, no start in 08 well let's let's work backwards yeah so this year Kansas had a better record 34 and six Villanova was 30 and eight last year Kansas was 21 and 9, Villanova was 18 and 7. Year before that, Kansas 28 and 3, Villanova 24 and 7. Year before that, Kansas 26 and 10, Villanova 26 and 10, same record. So like again, like you know, it's just and, and here's the thing, if if you just want to take their time at Villanova and Kansas, the win percentage that I mentioned earlier, it's even more uh, of a stark difference. Jay Wright in his time at Villanova has a 72.5 win percentage. That's a great number. Bill Self in his time at Kansas has an eighty-one point seven percent win percentage. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, D Johnson at GPMnow.com. That's D Johnson at GPMnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. We're going to be joined by Brandon McAnderson in less than 30 minutes here on RCST. John Kirby continues the KU football talk. And uh, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. So we were talking about Bill Self, and I think that we've very much come to the conclusion, yes, he is the best active coach in college basketball. Um, I've seen this one floating around, too. Like, is this the best coaching job that Bill Self has ever done? I'll be honest, it it's not really in that much of a discussion for me. I I would put it up there. Well, it's like top half. It's probably uh, top say, five. 
But like, yeah, I, but top five out of a twenty-something yeah, okay. year I, career. I guess it depends how you view it. If I, if me saying it top five is in discussion, then I get that. I, I understand why. Like that's obviously very close to number one. I guess what I mean by that is it pretty it's a, clearly it's a ways to away me, from one. Yes. Okay. Like there's a there's a big enough drop off. You know. Are you saying twelve? Uh, twenty twelve for me is number one. Yeah, I, I mean that's a huge one. You've got Connor Tien, who give credit to him because he worked his way into into the role. But I think no offense to Connor Tien, I think in an ideal mm-hmm. world, you don't want. He's, and he was very good his senior year, but I don't think in an, an ideal world you want him and Kevin Young as your first dudes off Dude, the bench. Dude, yeah, that team's bench was Connor Tehan, Kevin Young, and Justin Wesley. And it's not like they were a, a seven seed that kind of went crazy and wound up in the national title game. They went 16-2 and two in that conference. They started the year losing to Kentucky. <laughs> That's remarkable. Their only kind of weird loss that year was um, Davidson. Mm-hmm. They lost to Davidson and, and post Steph Curry Davidson to be clear this was not the Steph Curry Davidson team um but they lost to uh Kentucky in the champions in the first in the inaugural champions classic forgivable loss that was the team that won the national championship um they actually kind of blew it to Duke they had a lead and blew it late to Duke in the Maui Invitational Championship but still forgivable loss that was a Duke team that wound up as a two seed um and then you and then they and then they lose to Davidson that was really their only inexplicable loss. When you factor in this team lost to Dayton, um, that team lost to Davidson, so they really didn't have any bad losses except that one. And then they go 16-2 and in a bananas good conference, a, a, a conference that had a, a top-five Missouri team that, yes, came up short in the tournament, but it had Baylor, who was a three-seed, and wound up in the Elite Eight that year. And that was a good conference, and KU won that conference by two games. Yeah, and you you almost beat Kentucky. Think about that. As loaded as that Kentucky team you, was. Yeah, Kentucky was scared late I mean, in that title game. Thomas Robinson was a lottery pick, but they had no players on that team who stuck in the NBA. They didn't have a single one. In a one. lot of years, and I love T-Rob, in a lot of years he's not a lottery pick. Right. He was a lottery pick because that year, yeah, going back on that draft, that was kind of like... Too? Yeah. Like with the change of how the game is played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Anthony Davis... What's Ter- is Terrence Jones doing well? I'm trying I, to think, I think of other he's guys playing overseas somewhere. Okay. Um, but they had Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who yeah, was yeah, a top yeah, three yeah, pick. Yeah. He's stuck in the league for I don't know. What Harrison, Harrison Barnes didn't play for Kentucky. No, he was he Carolina. Got, he got drafted that year out of Carolina. But yeah, that's the other thing. The team you beat in the Elite Eight had Harrison, Harrison Barnes, Barnes, who has stuck in the. He's had a great NBA career. Uh, yeah. John Henson, Tyler Zeller have stuck in the NBA for a while. Kendall Marshall was in. Well, he didn't play in the game, but. Um, it, that to me is number one. I would honestly almost argue that 2018 should be ahead of this one as well. Because okay, going back to the same conversation, do you remember early in that season, Clay Young, a walk-on, was playing center minutes for KU, and they and at one point they had to bring in a football player, yes, <laughs> a tight end to play yes. the center. They had to bring in Silvio De Sosa from high school. Yeah, it made a big impact um, on the team down the stretch. That yeah, that would be up there. I actually think one of his best years in terms of oozing out everything you can from the talent you have, was a team that did not make a long run in the tournament. It was the 15 team that lost mm-hmm. to Wichita State because I think that team was – I think now that team had talent. You had a young Frank Mason. You had, they weren't ready yet. Exactly. I think a lot of coaches, that team is a four or a five seed that maybe gives a scare to – like maybe plays the one seed for a half in the Sweet 16 and then bows out. That team, to play up to a two-seed and win the conference was incredible. I think that's a good one. I think 2009, too. 
I mean, you're talking. Yeah, you about, lose five starters yes. from a title team. <laughs> you lose five starters from a title, and it's not just that you lost five starters. I know, you know, Sharon and Cole. You had them coming back, but at the time, you didn't know they were going to become all Americans like they did. And outside of those two guys coming back, it's not like there was others coming back behind them, really. So, oh yeah. six, I mean, he had gobs of talent in 06, but that was basically the seniors who won the national title were sophomores that year, and then Brandon Rush, Julian Wright, Mario Chalmers, they were freshmen. Mm-hmm. That team started 10-6 and six overall. They started, I think, 3-4 and four in November that year. Uh, they started 1-2 and two in conference play, and then I think they peeled off 17 of 18. They were, the, they were, the, they were the only game they lost late was in Austin to Texas, and then they turned around a couple weeks later and beat Texas in Dallas in the Big 12 final. Ultimately, that team lost to Bradley, so they don't get as much cred because they, they you know got bounced early in the tournament. But as far as regular season accomplishments, they went from, I wouldn't even say it 10 and six. I'm not even sure they're on the bubble. Because the ten and six, and they're one Probably and not, yeah. they're one and two, and their two losses in conference included at home to bad K State. That was Jim Wolden, and you K-State. had some bad non conference losses. Yeah, and you know? then you had bad non conference losses, and so you're not even a bubble team. And then you turn out as a four seed, and you win, you, you tie for the conference championship, and you win the tournament. Shoot, man, 2015-16, you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, you lose three straight road games. You don't know what's going to happen. Then you insert Landon Lucas into the starting lineup. That team did have a lot of talent, obviously, so maybe it's different. But still, he got so much out of that team as well. So, I don't know. Uh, this one is certainly, like we said, it, at least in the discussion there. But to me, it's kind of 2012 with a bullet, and this is probably somewhere in that top five range. It gets boosted because you win the title. That obviously matters. But, you know, I like even... I know we talk about this not being as talented as some of those other teams. I do think it's been slept on a little bit in that regard. Like, I, I do think this is a top-half talent team for Bill Self. And I, I saw this today. Like, I don't mean to bag on, you know, whatever person or somebody tweeted this out on the KU basketball account. But, like, I don't know if you saw this earlier today. It was like, Ochag Baji goes from two-star recruit. It's like, Yeah, I saw that. No, he was, okay, maybe he was a two-star recruit when he was a sophomore in high school, but by the time he was a senior, by the time he was committing, like his 24-7 sports page, if you go to it for when it ended, he was a four-star recruit. Yeah, so, yes. I, I think that's because Kansas saw him. Exactly. I think he was very clearly, well, I think I think he was a th- two- to three-star guy and the sights went, wait a minute, Kansas is on him? We better bump him. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those chicken and egg things. Like, did Kansas see him so they jumped him, or did these sights? No, they no, were I, thinking, I, I, I don't think it's But again, I think he very, wasn't a two-star when he committed to Kansas. I think it's— He might have been he was a, three a three star. He was a three. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like, like the 100s or 200s. We're trending in a direction here with, uh, you know, two months from now, we're going to look back and they're going to be like— Ochai Baji was born hating basketball, had never <laughs> no, played no, it no. in his life, never wanted I, to— No, you know, I, I actually think it's like, a fair—I would say this, increasing though, the narrative. I would say that's a fair—I don't even know if that's—with that tweet, I don't know if that's as much giving credit to self. I think it's it's Abaji. No, I agree. I'm just saying, and I like, think I think Abaji deserves all credit for. We've going. created this narrative that like he wasn't talented coming out of high school. When like clearly, okay, I'm sorry, he was only a top 150 player. Like no, let's, let's chill. I, out. I don't. I would, but I I think he deserves a ton of credit for going from completely untouted to where he is. That's not a story that gets told very often. I mean, they made a huge deal out of Frank Mason for the same reason. Yeah, again, deserves all credit. It was a wonderful story. Um, and was he under-recruited compared to what he ended up being? Of course he was. I'm just saying, let's chill on the, this guy like, you know, didn't know how to play basketball, basically, narrative, and now he does. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. If I were to give you 
over under .5 more Bill Self titles. Would you take it? I'd take the over, yeah. I think. What's I think, the number there, one and a half? I, I'd start thinking about it at one and a half, yeah. I think he wins another for sure. Well, for sure is hard to say. Because I, Bill Self. I, look, I think you're coming into, I've said, before I came on the show, you've known me for a long time. I've said for a long, long time, for probably the last four or six years, that the floodgates are, are I, I and I said this after the other night, you texted me something similar. I said, I think what we're watching right now between 2018 and this season, I think we're watching the floodgates open. I think he's going to peel off a lot of Final Fours in a short period of time, and I think he's getting to the best age. I, th- I think he's he's coming into um, his most successful time as a coach in, into his 60s, and then on top of that, he's getting into his 60s at a time when Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski are leaving. Now you could say that Eric Musselman might be ready to take the you know take to jump up um, and and become one of the best, and it's not just going to be Jay Wright and, and Bill Self duking it out every single year. Um, but I I do think Self is poised for like a, a like a, a remarkable decade. I really think Self probably has two more in him, and I think he probably has five more Final Fours. Well, that's in part him. of the question too, and and this isn't something that either one of us or. Heck, probably even Bill Self can answer because, you know, nobody knows their own future. But, like, who knows how long Bill Self could coach. If he goes to Coach K, that's 15 more years, right? Like, if you're going to that age. Um, what is K- Coach K? I think he's 75. That's 17 more years. Yeah. So, so there. I mean, if you're Bill saying Self, 17 more years. Jay Wright turns 61 and Bill Self this, I think, maybe Jay Wright turns 60. I think Jay Wright turns 61 in December and I think Bill Self turns 59 in December. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot more years, but if it's something where it's like, I want to retire at 65. Yeah, it could be. And then you're like, I only have have six or seven more years, then I think .5 is the right number. I've won three titles. I'm a millionaire several times over. I want to go relax. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's possible, too, and I can't say I'd blame him for it. No, I just have no idea. um, No, I I would take, I would lay odds to take the over on on .5. If I guaranteed you one more Bill Self title, would you take it or... Or take roll my the chances. Dice. Yeah. I'll probably roll the dice because I think he's getting one. I feel really confident that there's one more for self. One more title with two more final fours. Oh, I'd go over. Okay. He's got I four. I could see him ending his career. Because, yeah, you don't know when he's going to retire. I know, but I, I I, think the longer he goes, the more he, like he said, he's on the record as saying 70 feels, you know, like, you, you know, you, he, he said, you know, when you're 40, 60 feels old, mm-hmm. and you get to 60, and it doesn't feel <laughs> right. very old anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think Bill, Bill Self is is. I think what we're seeing is a giant correction, and I think he winds up with a winning record in the Elite Eight, um, and I think he winds up with one or two more titles at Kansas. I don't know, man. Though it's so hard to win a title if you guaranteed me one more. It took 14 years. And that's what I'm saying. I if know. He, if he only coaches till 70, you don't have 14 more years, right? I say only 70, but you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, yeah, I know. It's not, it, there's no, yeah, I completely, we're just, we're, we're yeah, but yeah. we're guessing here. Yeah. And I would, I would guess pretty strongly that he wins at least one more. And if you only guaranteed me one more, I'd roll the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I just, I think he's, I think he is the best. I think right now he's the best coach in, in college basketball and he's, no long, you know, Roy and, and I mean, and it's not just, man, it's not just how good Roy and, and, and Kay were. It's, he's not, 
who's he competing against on the recruiting trail now? Like he could John Shire, man. Yeah, he could become he's the villain in all the five stars. Yeah, and he's doing a great job. But self, um, I you know I, I wonder if they're gonna if I could I could picture just this insane freakishly successful wave after this whatever happens if the NCAA comes That's out. That's a really this good point though. And says okay, one year postseason ban and then it's done and you don't have that cloud hanging over you anymore. And maybe you probably lose out. You know, probably uh, Grady Dick and and. Um, and um uh, MJ Rice. Yeah, MJ yeah, yeah. Rice and um Uday is yeah, Uday, Ernest Uday, yeah. Uday uh, Ernest Uday. I think those guys probably say, Okay, we're gonna split and you probably miss out on next you know. Um but then I think you you just go, Okay, fine. I'm not gonna be in the postseason in twenty twenty three, so summer of twenty twenty two is all about recruiting mm-hmm. for class of twenty twenty three. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think once the, I think he's I think his his recruiting has dropped because of the sanctions, and in spite of that, he's still gone to two Final Fours and won a national championship. And I think once that's gone, I think the recruiting goes back, and so you get great recruits combined with how much better of a coach he is now. Yeah, And he wasn't a bad coach before. I'm just saying great coaches like him keep learning, keep getting better with every single year. That's why I think there's something to be said about once you get into your 60s, you have crazy success. But yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. With all those other coaches that are retiring, you're the guy now, NCAA, I mean, you're going to get hit with something, but um, once that's up... Wouldn't it be hilarious if they don't? Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's... One of the funniest it's things. It's not ever. out of the realm of possibility. So, whatever happens, whenever the case ends, Maybe that's because Emmert knew. Maybe he was just... He was shaking in his boots, and that's why he said Kansas City Jayhawks. Right. Because he just knew, we're not going to be able to give these guys anything. Well, it's like, you know, with... I'm going to be giving them this trophy again next year. I, I mean, once that stuff gets lifted, and you're the best coach in college basketball, and you just won a title, like, okay, good luck. Keeping Bill Self away from those uh, five-star athletes and, and having those top-tier guys w- coming back to Kansas. I want to add this. One thing we can uh, – and we need to get to the Daily Poll very yeah. quickly here. But one thing I want to add, I am really glad right now that we can finally shut up because after every – and look, Bill Self, you you give credit and you give criticism, and if you're going to get credit, you deserve the criticism. So Self has to own, and he does own, publicly. He will own the Elite Eight struggles. He'll own all of that. But after the loss to Villanova and the loss to Oregon in the, in the Elite Eight, um, there's this after every Elite Eight loss, there was this constant, oh, just imagine what we think of Bill Self as Derrick Rose can make his free throws. <laughs> and now we can finally shut up about that. Mm-hmm. All right, our uh, daily poll today, and I'll, I'm going to put this as a reply to the poll yesterday, which was should David McCormick get his jersey retired at KU? It's a follow-up to that. Will David McCormick get his jersey retired at KU? You can vote at RCST1320. What are your thoughts? I, I, I felt very strongly yesterday that he should. I feel I'll lean yes, he will, but I don't feel nearly. I feel adamant that he should. I don't feel super confident that he will, but I, I, I may be like 52-48. Yeah, I'm leaning that he will. Um, I, I, Here's an interesting question to follow up for that. Darrell Arthur, and, and Bill Self has even noted this, Darrell Arthur was the best player for KU the day of the national championship. 20-10. and 10. But Mario hit the big shot, right? So, And it matters. It does. But um, if you unleash the can of worms to say, I know you didn't technically win the award, but we're going to act like you did, do you have to go back? and Because 
I don't know. Darrell Arthur played less years than David McCormick, too, so you have more kind of meat on the bone with Dave, but also yeah. I think Darrell Arthur was a better player than Dave, so I I don't know. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah, it, that's a tough one, no doubt, but I, I, I still, I think, um, I say yes. Okay. Well, I, I just say, um, you know, if if you blindfolded um, someone and, I don't know, uh, if, you, if you blindfolded someone from the game and just showed them the box score, or like who had what in that 08 game, then Darrell Arthur wins. But again, the, the the last shot definitely does matter. And I would be fine with Darrell Arthur going up, though. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, Matt Llewellyn, 100% David is a Southsider, so we know where he would vote he, yeah. on the poll. Early on, though, a lot of people saying no, which is interesting because on the poll that was should David McCormick get his jersey retired, 62% of the vote said yes, 38 said no, but early on, again, this is only through about 15 votes, and they're continually coming in. About 90% are saying no right now, so it uh, should be interesting. All right, we're going to take a timeout here. After the timeout, we're going to get to our Masters update. Then when we come back, we're going to talk with Brandon McAnderson, former KU Orange Bowl winning running back member of the Jayhawk Radio Network, some KU football going on this weekend. He's Adam Brevet. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Well, it's been too long since we've talked to our next guest, Brandon McAnderson of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Um, first things first, KU wins the title basketball earlier this week. I'm I'm curious. I, I don't know if uh, I, I don't know if you graduated at the semester, or if you kept going through the 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 following semester and and were there for the 08 national title. But um, what was that like being around campus for the 08 title? And, and I don't know how you would cross compare the celebrations for that one 14 years ago versus the one on uh, Monday night. Well, I will say in, in 08, you know, my proximity to the program was closer. So the 08 one was crazy. I, there was, I, I had walked downtown and there was several B-back chants uh, broke out. So that one will be uh, <laughs> stored in my heart for a long time. But I will say that this one is just as special just because I'm a Lawrence kid. And I love Kansas basketball just like all Lawrence kids. And seeing my two kids be a part of a national championship. And I don't know, there was something about this run. It, I almost think of it like uh, it wasn't that I didn't think they could win. It's just that the team that they were in the tournament – is a team that they didn't show that they could be consistently during the regular season. So it's kind of like the movie that um, that you like, that you love because no one told you about it versus the movie that uh, that you liked well enough because everybody told you how great it was. So I, I felt like there was even, even though Kansas was a favorite in every game they played, there was still a bit of surprise at just uh, how well they performed over the course of the tournament. Yeah, it's it's funny because the 08 team actually was a lower seeded team. They were the fourth one seed, and this was the third one seed. But all through the 08 season, it was like this team's clearly good enough to win a title. And we had so many questions about this team throughout the season. You know, you had so many different ups and downs. You had some high moments like the Big 12 tournament or the blowout Baylor win or maybe the opening night win over Michigan State, where you thought this was all possible, but you had the Kentucky game or some struggles in conference play where that wasn't really the case. And and one thing I'm curious about because I don't know maybe this is just like a, a a fun fan kind of thought exercise but um, we hear a lot about like the momentum that develops from when a team wins a championship and how it can carry over to some of the other sports in a program now for you guys you would have technically been the the school or the the program that you know would have carried it over for other teams because the Orange Bowl was whatever three months before March Madness occurred um, do you feel that though? Do you think that's something that happens or, or do you think that is just kind of fodder? 
Yeah, I think there's a spark, uh, definitely with the fan base. I think there's a spark across the campus. I don't know if it ever actually made it into the buildings of either program. Because um, I feel like, you know, the year before that, Kansas had that heartbreak, you know, lead eight loss to UCLA, uh, where they were just banking at threes left and right. Um, and, and that was a good run, but I don't think it had any impact on what we, we did. But I think as a fan and as a local, um, I think it does. There's something about it that just, you know, you just have a good feeling about everything around you when your team is, uh, your favorite team is on top like ours is right now. So I do think there'll be some carryover, and I do think there'll be a spark just all across campus and, and, and throughout the fan base, not necessarily through the players in the program. All right, last basketball question before we get into actual football. Who do you think would be the best football player among the basketball team? Ooh, best football player among the I would go with Yesterson just because of his explosion. Mm. I mean, you could easily see him being like a slot back and, uh, you know, cutting people up. But I'll also say Jalen Wilson, I think, showed a level of strength uh, throughout the tournament, specifically Villanova. I mean, that Jalen Samuels guy was killing everyone in the tournament. And Jalen Wilson was like, uh, no, <laughs> not today. So I loved his strength and toughness and size. I think he'd be a dangerous tight end. I'll go KJ Adams just to change it up. I think defensive end. He's got the the tree trunk oh, legs. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so spring preview tomorrow, and uh, you guys will have a broadcast. We're airing it here on KLWN. I think the the pregame starts at twelve uh, thirty, and uh, it kicks off at at one o'clock or. I don't know, whatever. I'm not, I don't know if there will be a kickoff. But nonetheless, uh, is there a player or an aspect of you know the team uh, that you're maybe most interested to see what it looks like in the spring preview? Not really. Um, what I'll say about spring is that the spring game is anticlimactic relative to spring practices. I've been up to three practices, and I've got a chance to see the players get after it. And I think there's just a methodical nature about the program now that is so reminiscent of the program that I played for um, to where all the real work is done before you ever get to the spring game. And there's really not much to look at that gives you an indication of anything. I actually think that's a good thing. Um, I think that the, how you build a successful football program is through these, these unsatisfying, unspectacular work days. And I think that the football program has put enough of them together that this will be more of a celebration of, you know, uh, some of the passing game stuff, just getting a chance to watch football again, uh, coming on the back door of a national championship with the basketball team. I think there's just a lot of collective excitement, and I think it'd be fun to see the guys get out there. But I don't know if I'm looking at anything functionally that I think will or will not carry over. Again, I don't know how much we're going to see of all these guys, but the running back room is absolutely loaded this year. Is Is there any worry that you would have about keeping everyone happy? Because, I mean, uh, there's only so many carries. There's only one football that you can go around, and, and you have a lot of guys there between Daniel Highshaw, Devin Neal, Kai Thomas, Savion Morrison. Um, whenever Tory Lachlan comes back, although who knows if he'll be running back or go back to what he started last year as as a receiver because the running back room is so loaded. But is that a worry at all of trying to kind of keep everyone happy there? I don't think so. I think it's just running back is a position where injuries just happen, and there'll be opportunities for different guys. It's also a group where if you're looking at the top skill players on a team, they all might be in the running back room. So I don't think it'll be a matter of looking around and not having the, the right amount of opportunities. I think there'll be players that felt like, you know, throughout the course of the season, they could have done more with more opportunity, but this isn't how this works. This isn't Parks and Rec. You know, you come to a program and you have the idea that you want to be a star, and when you get the opportunities, you take advantage. You don't know when those opportunities are going to come. 
And if you're here and you're thinking about what you're going to do next, and you're probably not committed in the right way. So I don't think that the coaching staff or the players should be worried about what level of satisfaction they get or what level of production they get because you get what you earn. And uh, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So I, I know that going into my senior year, I was not the starting running back. I was I was more of a third down back. And just through some of the younger players, just were not showing the correct mental aptitude that, that the coaching staff required. And that's how I got more opportunities. I couldn't have scripted that. I couldn't have told you that. Uh, but that's what happened. So I think you just got to stay consistent. You got to do your work and uh, hope the opportunity comes your way. Yeah, and I'm curious how they're going to use all those guys in a certain way. Um, I mean, you're right, the the best is going to come to the top, but I I would imagine that they all have their different attributes or different things that they do, maybe one better than the other in, in certain ways, whether, you know, I was talking to Savion Morrison yesterday, and he was talking about uh, the guy he wants to emulate is like DeAnthony Thomas, and, you know, being a guy who can uh, maybe run some jet sweeps or catch screen passes or, or catch some passes out of the backfield in kind of that regard. Uh, Daniel Hyshaw, we know, is just a super strong kid. Like, he could, I guess, kind of be your power back or short yardage and goal line back. Um I don't know, though, what what's like between Devin Neal and I don't know how much you've seen of Kai Thomas. Uh, what do you view like kind of being the differing attributes between some of those guys? Well, Kai Thomas is, I kind of think of him like a steady Eddie running back. You know, watching him at Minnesota just from afar, I like the work that he did. But watch him in person, man, he's a guy that's going to, if the play is designed to get six yards, he's going to get six yards. There's not going to be a lot of negative plays. He's not going to make mental errors. He's just a solid, competent, talented person who, who's, you know, he's kind of reminds me of like a single hitter. You know, so every once in a while it's going to be a double. He's going to hit some home runs, but he's going to be someone that you can count on. I still think Devin has the highest upside just because of his explosion, how quickly he learned at the position, uh, his quickness, uh, his ability to make people miss in the hole, and it's having such a powerful frame. I just I love his upside, and that's not even to speak about Highshaw uh, and Morrison. I think those guys are also big time players. I love what I love about Highshaw; he's a power back with real top end speed, and and Morrison is just smooth as I don't know what man, just a smooth cutter, a powerful guy, and a and a powerful player as well. All right, that is Brandon McAnderson, former Jayhawk Orange Bowl winning running back member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. You can hear him tomorrow, 12.30 pregame, 1 o'clock for the start of the spring preview. I'm going to be out there 10.30 to 12.30 with the Kiss Crew. Spin our prize wheel over by the practice field in the fun zone area. Win some free stuff. Say hi. For Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. John Kirby will join us coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour to continue to KU football talk. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Joined now by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Well, first things first, John, um, this is being called a spring preview, not a spring game. We've talked about this a lot on the show this week. I, I think I saw that it could be two 20-minute halves with, with kind of just running clocks. Uh, are you expecting this to look like a, a typical game format? Are you expecting like kind of situational stuff where maybe they'll, you know, at this point in time we're going to uh, run red zone offense or this point in time we're going to do this? What, do you, what are you kind of expecting this to look like? Yeah, Derek, I think it's going to be 
one of those things that I think you're going to get a little bit of everything, right? You're going to get a, a preview of what it looks like when they warm up for practice and they go through some position drills and things like that. And then I think they'll break it out probably, work on some situations, okay, some third and goals, some jump balls, maybe some goal line. Now, I do think if you look, Derek, over the last five years and you look around college football, you are seeing teams and programs start to get away from the old traditional ones versus ones, keeping score, you know, that type of thing. Just, I think these guys are saying, hey, this is the 15th practice of the year. So let's let's try to get out of here healthy, okay? And as as little of banging as you can, and and end it on a good note with uh, everybody walking out healthy. So I think you're going to get a little bit of everything. I think it'll end with some good scrimmaging where you're going to be able to see guys, you know, O line against D line, and you know, obviously quarterbacks will be off limits, and I don't know who else will be, but but I think uh, I think it'll still be great for all the KU football fans. Yeah, it's certainly going to be fun to get out there and uh, see some football at uh, this time of year. Um, what has been, for you, the most surprising maybe development of spring ball so far for KU? Well, the things that I've heard throughout the spring is is I think the, the, the improvement likely on defense, okay? And, and I think um, I've heard a lot of great things about Onatolu and Panagos coming in on the defensive line and have really changed some things. I've heard about the defensive line being more aggressive. You know, there's a lot of bodies on the inside of the line. Uh, you know, Lonnie Phelps, the defensive end, uh, is, is going to really help with pass rush and pick up where Kyron Johnson left off, and they've improved the linebackers. So I do think that the defense, and they've also had a year now under Borland's system. I shouldn't say a year because they really haven't had a full year, but they've had a fall and now a spring. So that's one of the things I keep hearing a lot about is the defense. And then on the offense, the one thing that, that I get you know, uh, quite a bit when I talk to people, it's just the quality of the running backs. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got De- Devin Neal, obviously, who was there, and then you got T- Kai Thomas and Sevion Morrison, and, you know, there's, there's some good guys back there, and, they, and they've added them in the portal as well. So, you know, there, there's going to be a stable of running backs back there who can get yards and keep guys fresh. Yeah, and we got to talk to some of those players, a couple of those running backs yesterday at a KU football media availability. And, you know, I was talking with Savion Morrison, and, and he said uh, one of the guys that I try to kind of emulate his playing style is DeAnthony Thomas. And I can't help but wonder if, I mean, when you have so many talented running backs, you're going to try to keep them all happy in a certain way. Um, I don't know. Is is Do you view kind of the roles of these certain guys, like Daniel Hyshaws is your power short yardage back, Devin Neal and Kai Thomas are just kind of your do everything we'll we'll kind of switch in between the two and they'll take the bulk of the carries and Savion Morrison is kind of that DeAnthony Thomas guy of you know we'll put him in the slot we'll have him run jet sweeps or throw screens to him um, use him maybe in passing downs like is that kind of the the uh, role that you foresee for those guys you know Derek, I don't know if it is because you, when you look at the body types of these guys, okay, they're all real similar. I mean, Neil's what, 5'11, 215, and Kai Thomas is 5'11, 205, and Hyshaw's 5'10, 220, and Sevian Morrison's 6'215. So these guys are all fairly similar. You know, maybe running styles are slightly different, but, you know, Morrison is a guy who can run with some power, and he's got ability to, to be more than a one cut back. We've all seen what Devin Neal can do. He's got a little bit of a slasher to him, which is what I think Kai Thomas is too as well. And, and if Highshaw is back and he's healthy, 
you know, it gives you four running backs. But, Derek, I think the big thing to look at with the depth of the running backs is you sit here and you go, how are they going to distribute the ball? How are they going to keep everybody happy? Okay, well, we've already heard I've, I've through the spring there's been a couple guys already dinged up a little bit here and there, okay? Remember last year what it was like? Highshaw goes down. Velton Gardner goes to the portal. Okay, Devin Neal ends up being the workhorse as a true freshman. He's never, you know, he's never taken the hits like he had. And by the end of the year, he wasn't even healthy to play. I think they were almost down to zero scholarship running backs like their last game of the season. So, you know, you sit here and say, boy, they're deep, and how are they going to be able to, you know, get the ball in everybody's hands and keep them happy? But at the same time, History always shows itself that whether you get an injury or if somebody's out for a while or pulls a hamstring, you know, next thing you know, you're going to say, golly, I'm glad they had all those running backs. Yeah, that's it's a good point because, I mean, obviously you're taking so many hits that it's going to accumulate over the course of the season. Um, one guy whose injury status has been well noted over these last, I don't know, whatever weeks of spring ball has been Jalen Daniels. Uh, it seems like his status is ready to go. Are you expecting to see him tomorrow at the spring game? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, here in the last maybe week to 10 days, he started easing back into some of that, you know, you call it 11 on 11, 7 on 7, where you're actually running around and maybe getting pushed. And, and it's more the live action. But before that, you know, I don't know that people have asked me, hey, what, what was his injury? I don't know what a specific injury was, but whatever it was, it, it couldn't have been just something minor, right? Because he played through the end of the season last year. So whatever he had, I mean, it took three or four months to get back on track. And it, some of it could be precautionary where they're saying, listen, this is our guy. This is our starter. Let's not get him through spring football and have something happen again. Let's take him along slow. Let's make sure that everything's going to heal properly. He's still there. You know, they always call it the mental reps, right? So Jalen Daniels maybe isn't going through every single rep that they're doing, but he's still there on the sideline, and he can still participate in a lot of the drills. So I don't think this is that big of a deal for Jalen Daniels because he was able to be out there the whole time. My biggest question for the offense this year is the receiving core, and it's not that uh, they don't have talent or anything. I mean, Emmett Jones, I think, helped uh, – keep the covered pretty full and I mean I, I know the the coaches Lance Leipold has even mentioned that you know they're even trying to work on scholarship allotment of what positions has this many and and there might even be too many scholarship players in the receiver room so clearly there's talent there and a lot of it was really young and I don't know how much of it we got to see last year um, but who are some guys that you think could maybe help fill the role or, or the void lost by uh, Kwame Lasseter? Well, I think right now, if I had to put money on it, if you said, you know, Jalen Daniel said last night that he doesn't really need a go-to guy. He needs to be able to disperse the ball and have enough targets around. And, and I can buy that, right? But, you know, as fans and, and people on message boards always like to say, you know, who's going to be the go-to guy? On third and five, the quarterback usually is looking for a guy that he knows is going to be open, and that was Kwame Lasseter, right? Last year, I think he had – he had two times more targets than any other receiver on the roster. So, you know, Kwame's a, you know, that was a big loss. So I think Lawrence Arnold's a guy, and I think Daniels mentioned him last night as a guy that's caught his attention. But outside of that, you know, if you can go get guys like, you know, Luke Grimm and, and, and McBride and some of these guys, Tanaka Scott's a young receiver I've heard about. If Trevor Wilson's got, you know, he's got legit track speed, 
there's enough guys, Derek, that I think if everybody can just play solid, they'll give Daniels enough options without maybe needing that quote-unquote go-to guy to always look for. The offensive line seems like it's pretty consistent with uh, who's going to be playing this year compared to last year. Uh, how do you think the line is coming along? Is is the biggest question depth there, and, and how do you think that is forming together? Well, I, I feel comfortable with what they're going to go out and start with. Matter of fact, I feel pretty good about it. Okay, I think there's there's four guys who have learned to play together. They've they've understood what it takes to play in the Big Twelve. They've shown they can have some success with the, the holes they opened up. The how good they were last year with as few as sacks as they gave up. And, and you're plugging Armage Reed Adams in there at the the spot that Malik Clark left. And I've heard a lot of good things about him. So that front five, I feel pretty good about, okay? And I think these guys know, you know, Derek, sometimes the best offensive line isn't five NFL guys. It's the five guys who can work together. And I think Fuchs will have those guys ready to play in that front five I feel good about. But we all know you don't get through a season with five offensive linemen. And that takes me to probably what's the biggest question I have right now in the program is probably that backup O-line. He is John Kirby. You can check out all his work with Jayhawk Slant. Appreciate John for coming on the show. The spring preview tomorrow. I'm going to be out there with the 105.9 Kiss crew from 1030 to 1230, giving out some free stuff. So come on by. We're going to be over by the Fun Zone. Say hi. Spin our prize wheel. Get some free stuff. Then check out some of the other stuff going on at the Fun Zone. After that, spring preview. And then I'll be heading to the KU Rugby match after that. Sunday we got the parade. Lots going on this weekend. Should be a fun one. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. Your Masters update coming up next, followed by a quick commercial timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening in on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Adam Dravetta, I am Derek Johnson here on RCST. Don't forget you can register for RCST Trivia. We still have a handful of spots left. Uh, the bracket is going to come out this weekend, at least according to plan, with um, you know getting everything in order and, and filling up the bracket. But it seems like we're trending that way. We're getting pretty, pretty close. So go on our Twitter account, at RCST1320. There's a tweet up there, registration open for 2022 RCST Trivia. You just got to reply to the tweet, hashtag RCST Trivia. Honestly, if you just shoot us a DM, though, too, like we'll get you registered that way as well. So uh, do that. It'll start up next week. It's a KU basketball trivia event, so you get to show off your, your trivia knowledge. It's free awesome to enter. Prizes, man. Totally free to enter, and yes, you win prizes um, for every They're round like in advance. Sweet prizes, mm-hmm. like, I, like I don't like I don't want to knock like the prizes we have on our like remotes and our giveaways. This we have cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not I'm not downplaying the prizes. Like the things you guys will be giving away tomorrow ahead of the spring showcase. Like they'll be you'll have some cool stuff there. I'm not downplaying that stuff. I'm just saying the stuff that it, we have that our sponsors have have. Um, have hooked us up with for the prizes for this event are awesome. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, it starts at the top. 23rd Street Brewery is providing the grand prize, which is a big screen TV. This is the third year we're doing this. This is the third TV he will have given out. Isaac Henderson, who won the event the first year, two years ago, the Wonderkind, or Wunderkind, I think is the, the proper pronunciation. He's looking for TV number two. Eric Hansey, who won it last year over Isaac in the finals, he's looking for TV number two. And everybody else, you're looking for TV number one. So you've been looking for another TV? Don't have to buy one. Compete in this. Try to win. You get the big screen TV. But like I said, and, and Adam said, there's a lot more prizes than that. This isn't just the championship. Yeah, prize. It's, it's not a. It's not every a, round you advance. Yeah, every, exactly. It's 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 so cool. Did we confirm the every like? What's the thing? Did we confirm that you can build up? It's not like just win one round and get a twenty five dollar gift certificate to twenty third. Did we confirm that you get another? $25 every time you win. Yes. So like I, if you if you advance from round of 64 to round of 32, $25 to 23rd Street, right? Yep. And then if you advance from round of 32 to round of 16, I don't think we can call it what they call it in the NCAA tournament. No, we call it the uh, sizzling 16. The sizzling 16. So then you get another 25 bucks, right? Yep. So I mean that's adds up. That's crazy, man. Adds up. You win twice. It's fifty bucks to Twenty Third Street Brewery just for winning your first two rounds. Yeah, no, I mean the prizes are awesome. Plus, like you said, it's it's just a fun event. You get yeah, to test cool. your KU basketball trivia knowledge. I'm it's gonna, single elimination, if, if so you it's wanna, high pressure. If you want to brush up, I'm going to tell you. I got before I was on the show. I was booted in the first round in <laughs> 2019, and I want to say here's why. I'm going to give my tips. I came prepared, and Derek will. I think will admit to this the timer gets to you uh well it's that but Derek, i think he's known me for a long time he will he can confirm my knowledge of ku basketball history is freakish but i'm not particularly great with kind of keeping up on the statistics of the year to year yeah so like i could tell adam like a you know uh, this game that happened and he'll tell me like an exact date yeah, yeah, when yeah. it happened, but you know? I I didn't do a good job brushing up on because the the one I got out on was how many thirty point games did uh, David Devon Dotson have that particular season? Mm-hmm. I got it wrong. My opponent got it right. Congratulations! So my point is, is if you feel you're really good, like let's say you know a ton about KU b ball history, but maybe you need to remember some details of specific games from this season. Brush up on that. Or vice versa. Yeah, like, I'm so it, it's, excited. It's going to be an array of things. Like the history is going to be a big part of it, but also make sure you you really have you you've brushed up on uh, on recent things too, not uh, me, just the history. Let me go through all the uh, prizes just so that people know. Um, and this is going to be sponsored by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. If you make it to the second round, so you just got to win one match. $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, and you're getting an RCST trivia t-shirt. And those it's a cool-looking t-shirt. Yeah, yeah they are. are cool. It's got a bracket on it, all sorts of stuff. And you can't get it anywhere else. No, you cannot. You can't buy those things. You cannot. And if you get one customized somewhere, we're going to sue your pants off. Uh, not really, but please don't. And then you won't even have pants. <laughs> yeah. We'll you take pants we'll, or a shirt? We'll take your free shirt, um, and we'll take your pants. <laughs> the Sizzling 16 prizes. You're getting a voucher for a free breakfast sandwich at McDonald's, a voucher for a free like whatever lunch dinner time whatever you want to call it sandwich at mcdonald's um you're getting a 20 dollar gift card to cbd of lawrence 10 dollar gift card to hawaiian bros 25 extra dollars to 23rd street brewery you make it to the grade eight 
You're getting a voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mr. D's. You're getting we, – we just got some shirts in for me and Adam. There are going to be more for, coming in from Home Field Apparel. Did you tweet that out? Shirts. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he tweeted out an example a, a couple of, an example of a couple of the shirts that they have at Home Field. They're pretty cool, mm-hmm. and they so feel great. We're going to be giving out some uh, shirts for Home Field Apparel, which, by the way, if you do want to make an order at Home Field Apparel – Use code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, 15% off your first order. You're also going to get a $30 credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io and another $25 gift card for 23rd Street Brewery. You make it to the Phenomenal Four, you're getting yet another $25 to 23rd Street Brewery. Bananas. You get auto entry. So if you're at the Phenomenal Four, along with everything he's just named, you've mm-hmm. got 100 bucks. Yep. To the 23rd Street Brewery. Auto entry into trivia next year, and you get an automatic one seed for the following year, and you get a custom engraved water bottle from Jayhawk Trophy, and you get a phenomenal four trophy from Jayhawk Trophy. These trophies are cool, too. Yes, they are. Uh, You go to the championship game, another $25 to 23rd Street Brewery, $30 more of credit to Jayhawk NFTs at rockchalk.io, and then again, the championship, you get the big screen TV, another $25 championship trophy, which is slick. It's got the same feel to it as like the Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, the, the base is like mm-hmm. the Super Bowl trophy, and then uh, but a basketball, the basketball is on top. top instead of football. And most importantly, if you win it all, lifetime entrance into RCST Trivia. So the prizes keep racking up year on and year out. So uh, join that. It's at RCST1320. What are we going to do if we're still doing this show and however many years and we've gotten to the point where I briefly we, thought where about we that. have t- too many champions right. to guarantee we have 40 entries. champions but again like you know if that happens it's a problem for future Derek yeah that's don't true. worry about that later that's a good point um speaking of also our Twitter account at RCST 1320 you can go vote on our daily poll our poll went final from yesterday should David McCormick get his jersey retired 65 percent ended up saying yes 35% said no. The update to it today is will David McCormick get his jersey retired at KU? People seem less optimistic. They are. 64% say no. 36% say yes. So a lot of people said they think he should, but a lot of people also said they think KU will not ultimately mm-hmm. do it. Now, we have a couple of replies. Um, this is from Fog Advisory. The system is broken, in all caps, but I have no idea which side of the system he's referring to. Is he saying he doesn't like the system that Dave could get in, or is he saying the system is broken and that Dave should have won Final Four MOP? I don't know. Maybe he's at a drive-thru, and like he can't. They, it's, that's what it's about. <laughs> Sir, like, this is a Wendy's. The, the system at the drive-thru he's at is broken, and he's yeah. just letting us know. Um, this is from Robert, Bob Rock Chalk. Two games don't earn your jersey in the rafters. You start throwing every Tom, Dick, and Harry up there. The ones that had to earn it under the protocols become less earned, not given. Well, we get, we we gave a we didn't put his jersey in the rafters, but we gave some love to Dick Soares. Yeah, in his performance for Santa Clara against KU. <laughs> Do you? Okay, so like I go back and forth on this because I actually there's a part of me that very much agrees with that sentiment just in general on this stuff. Again, I I Tom's, am in the Dicks, camp that Harry's. I would put. No, that I would put Dave in the rafters. What about but Tom's I, hairy? Never mind. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I am under, I, I do like sort of buy into that notion of like, you know, you don't want to just over give something away because then it makes it less valuable. But also like, who am I to care? Like, shouldn't I want more people to be up there because it's it's recognizing even more people and, and special like being I, I, a special moment for even more people? I don't know. I just think there's a valid argument. I, I, I think you I think you stop short of like that's that. What he said feels too much like a slippery slope argument, 
and I don't ever buy the slippery slope argument. I think there's an argument to be made. It's not, will David McCormick lead to all these other people getting their jerseys retired? That's not the question. It's, does David McCormick deserve to have his jersey retired? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that should stand on its own. The argument shouldn't be no because that could right. mean that down the the road, no, because the Andrew stops. White the third will right. get his. No, no, his the jersey. argument stops. You could say, yeah. well, it's, what about this player who just, was better just, than David McCormick? Yeah. But then you say, no, but the reason Dave's going in isn't because he was better than that player. It's because he should have won Final Four yeah. MLP. The other guy should not have, right? Yeah, it's it's his it's his performance in two of the it's two of the the two biggest games yeah. of his career. He went. He, what 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 was it? Forty and thirteen. He combined for something like no forty, no, 40 and, and like nineteen. Yeah. Forty and nineteen. He went for and against he Villanova, was, North Carolina. I mean, if you want to stretch and, further, and the two winning baskets. Mm-hmm. Pivotal in the uh, Elite Eight game with that big stretch in the second half. Yeah, the Creighton game. He has the biggest block of the game, the biggest defensive player of the game outside of maybe the steal. But that was more of Creighton. That was a bad away, throw, right? That was the biggest defensive player of the game. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening, but probably won't be settled for. Uh, Decade plus, anyway. He's Adam Gravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Masters update coming up next. Then Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us on the other side. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved in local sports. Joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks. I, I will never get old of we've been playing your final call all week and I will never get old of hearing that now. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joins us now here on RCST. Uh, so let me ask you, what what is a more wild uh, event? KU coming back from down 16 or 15 at halftime or Greg Gurley celebrating a title win in New Orleans? <laughs> well, I'm probably not supposed to say it, but he was pulling out the little like airport <laughs> bottles of alcohol on on the press row area while confetti was falling. So he was discreet about it, and of course Harry Carey got away with that for years. Right. But uh, but yeah, he, he had a pretty good time even before he got to Bourbon Street, and I'm not sure he even made it to Bourbon Street that night. They had some pretty good celebrations in the team hotel, and, and from what I saw, he was pretty content there. Hey, you got some uh, revenge. 1993, Greg loses to, to North Carolina in the Final Four as a member of that team. They beat him in the title game. Did he bring that up to you at all? Like, was there any actual, like, uh, wanting for revenge there? Or was it just kind of, uh, you know, in the rearview mi- window there? I brought it up to him uh, since it was in New Orleans uh, and against Carolina. And, of course, uh, in, in that particular year's case, Carolina goes on to win it. Um, over Michigan, but uh, yeah, he he definitely had it on his mind. But I, I think you know so many faces and coaches have come and gone since then, and faces have changed that it wasn't like true revenge. But kind of neat to see it come full circle almost exactly thirty years later, twenty nine to be exact. And for him, I think in particular it meant a lot because it was his first time on the call, as it was for me to call a national championship. So. And, and we, we had a great time with it. You know, the, the funny exchange we always have every game because I'm the nervous one when it comes to our outcomes. Neither of us are really nervous about the, the broadcast side of it, but I'm the one that gets amped like, oh, my God, are we going to win? Are we going to blow this? And he's, the, he's the steady hand at the wheel. And I always turn to him at some point in the second half and say, off the air, are we going to win? 
and and every single time he says yes, and he's been right <laughs> most of the time. But but in this case, yeah, you know, I waited until the under sixteen minute timeout when we cut it all the way down to eight with a free throw pending for Jalen Wilson. And I said, are we going to win? He said, we're going to win by eight. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, they, they put the pedal to the metal. And it's amazing, Derek, to think that they got it from 15 down to one in less than eight minutes. And, and you'll recall when it got to one, Caleb Love had just sprained his ankle. Leaky Black had just picked up his fourth, fourth foul. And while on the scoreboard it reflected we were still losing, it felt like we were up 10 at that point because we had all the momentum. They were wobbling woozy back to the corner, and we were feeling like we were about to deliver a knockout blow. Now, obviously, you know they, they rebounded and, and found a way to take a lead back and make it neck and neck down the stretch. But what a remarkable comeback. We, we all knew they were capable of coming back from down 15 because we'd seen it earlier in the year at K-State. We'd seen fast start to halves like the second half versus Miami and the first half versus Nova. But to do all the damage in those first eight or ten minutes, Christian Brown having ten points in the first ten minutes and you outscore him 30 to 10 to open the half. I mean, nobody saw that coming, at least not, you know, on, on press row. Maybe the team did, but uh, I loved Bill Self's quote asking the guys, would you rather be down nine with two minutes to go? Mm-hmm or down 15 with 20. And I, I love that perspective going back to 08. And I think that really you know, resonated with the guys. Oh, man, we're totally in this. And, and so clearly you saw it. And they just absolutely seized the game from the word go in the second half. Yeah, well, Adam brought up the stat to me, texted me earlier this week. He said that Kansas basketball history, they had two wins all time when they were down 15 or more at halftime. And the Missouri game was not part of that because they weren't down 15 at halftime, even though it got – you know, over that later on in in the second half, but just by halftime. And they had two of them this year, including one in the national title. So you double that up. And I I think not just the Bill Self quote, the the Christian Brown, uh, I guess, talking about what David McCormick at halftime, he's just, he's sitting there smiling. And and that is, I think, such a, a good example of the type of kid that Dave is. And, you know, Dave is taking the brunt of, of a lot of, um, you know, what's going on with this guy. And I mean, we've talked about it over the course of, you know, a couple of years now of like, what's going on? Uh, why is, is it not always, you know, first team, all big 12, Dave, why is this or that happening? And for him to have that response and then to go out there and make uh, the biggest plays of the game at the very end, you see one shiny moment afterwards. He is the one shiny moment for KU in that game. Um, absolutely remarkable stuff. The only thing that, you know, you basically got the whole storybook ending there outside of him just winning Final Four MOP, which had it been voted on at the conclusion of the game, I don't think there's any way he wouldn't have won the award. Yeah, it's crazy to think that an award that, at least at our school, is a really big deal because it's criteria to going up in the rafters. Maybe it's not as big of a deal elsewhere, but the fact that they have to turn in those ballots with two minutes to go when of the 120 minutes of basketball played at the Superdome that weekend, those were the two Mm -hmm. most important minutes all weekend, and you don't factor those in. It just seems nothing to me. I mean, take one more commercial break and then announce it. You know what I mean? You right. don't have to get it in that early. So I feel for David, but you know, the Sports Illustrated cover has come out with him on it. Self has said publicly on three occasions now that it's co-MOP in his mind. And 
So the narrative is starting to build momentum that, that perhaps Self will do something to make sure David gets up on the rafters after all. We'll see. Coach hasn't said that directly, but you know you can make it up there as an academic All-American, and certainly you can make it up there if the most powerful guy in KU basketball decides to, to tweak things a bit, which has been a hot topic on this show, I know, for the last month or so. So it, it's crazy to think, as you said, and you set it up really well, the, the roller coaster of a career he's had. It's, it has been you know frustrating at times to see his inconsistencies but then again we don't fully understand at least until senior night all that he's been dealing Mm -hmm. with in terms of the residual foot pain which i know is very much still an issue today as we speak and then self said you know you probably have to shut him down for four weeks at the end of the season for that to even feel close to 100 percent and then he's had a knee issue on top of that 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 swells up huge every time he has extended minutes and and yet this is a guy who never complains never uses that as an excuse always shows up with his lunch pail getting ready to work and uh you have to respect him a ton for that so really uh neat to see a guy that went through so much berating by the fan base and and otherwise um you know come out on top like that and, and never really said anything publicly about his critics some guys will spout off and, and, and say that kind of stuff, but he stayed away from that, didn't engage in it, just let his, his play do the talking. And, and Derek, you go back and look at his best five games of his career. It might have been the last month of his senior season, starting with senior night, goes for 22-10 and 10 when we had to have it because Ochai was one of 11 and couldn't throw it in the ocean. He puts the team on his back that day and is the hero, then has another huge game versus Texas Tech in the Big 12 championship game in Kansas City after a quiet start to the weekend in the most physical, tough defensive matchup we could have had that week. He rose to the occasion. And then you look at Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship game. He goes for you know six or seven shooting, 15 points versus Miami. Shows up huge with 25-9 and nine versus Nova. I thought he was as big as anybody on the floor in that one, including Ochai's 6-for-6. Six six. And then, uh, obviously, you know the title game, 15-10, and 10 with the two biggest shots late. And, and going toe-to-toe with his former AAU buddy, who, yes, was not at 100%, but he was – Baycott was much better than I mm-hmm. thought he would be after watching him limp around on Saturday or rather on Sunday at the media sessions. He was much closer to 100% than I thought, and David had a huge swat inside and several key rebounds and extended possessions and, of course, the big shots late that were just phenomenal. So, so happy for him. Couldn't happen to a nicer kid, and yet you could say the same about Abaji, who, uh, you know, we've been singing his praises all year for the hero, the leader, the student-athlete ambassador he is. He's, he's just the absolute quintessential humble superstar and to take all these accolades in stride. And then he himself at the podium says to the media, you should have picked Dave. I mean, how, how cool is that? How selfless is that? And, and that also kind of cements the case as to why maybe we need to do something to alter this. Because as I've said on a couple of occasions this week, when it comes to something as important in Kansas basketball lore of hanging a number in the rafters, do we really want it to be on the shoulders of a rushed hurried media vote that had to be turned in with two minutes to go and you got people trying to meet their story deadlines or get ready for their live stand-up and they're just scribbling something down on a piece of paper or do we want to sit with the people that care most about this type of enshrinement and care most about who's worthy and who isn't and let them with time to really pour over it look into something like that and have them make the call 
when all 40 minutes have been played and all stats and contributions have been tabulated. That's where I think you could see Self maybe eventually find a way to get him up there. We're talking with Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks here on Rock Shock Sports Talk. And yeah, as much as you know, the Dave story served to this redemption arc, and I, I am excited because I'm, I'm sure we're going to hear even more about that injury stuff, and I'm sure there'll be books that come out and, and stuff. But we saw that redemption arc from Jalen all season. We saw it in the month of March from Remy. Um, I, I've been kind of talking with different guests and on this show this week about what the identity that we'll kind of look back on for this team or what we will take away about this team, like why they want a title. And when we're talking about other future KU teams, what they can do to emulate this team like we always like to do. And I haven't really been able to come up with maybe as much for that. I I think it's more of just, you know, if anything, just a kind of coming full circle for Bill Self. And, you know, if you have enough good teams, enough good one seeds, enough Big 12 champs, like eventually some are going to break through because if you're just talking most talented teams, this isn't, you know, one of the top two or three. But uh, the more I think on it, and this isn't something we really even have a way of measuring if, if we're talking about that kind of for future teams ahead, I think just the mental toughness and the togetherness and the coachability of this team are all things that seem to be as good as any KU team that Bill Self has ever had. Yeah, and I'd, I'd use one additional word, and it goes with your word of togetherness, but in my six seasons at least of doing play-by-play, it's far and away the best team chemistry I've seen by far. They're, they're so selfless. There was no, you know, I need to have a certain number of shots or a certain number of points, and that starts when your best player is as humble as Ochai is. They still had plenty of guys with killer instincts, but it wasn't motivated by individual aspiration of, I need to get mine. They were genuinely happy for one another. I mean, you think back to some of those post-game on-court interviews that Christian Brown did, always touting Ochai as the best player in the country, immediately pointing at him. And you think back to all the different moments we had in that stretch in January where different guys stepped up and made the big shot. DeWan versus Iowa State, CB versus Oklahoma, Ochai versus Texas Tech and Kansas State, and they were all genuinely so happy for one another. And then when Remy hit the ground running in March and became such a huge story, and you know they're quoting Rimmergy and selling T-shirts that say Remy Marchin, and Ochai's in the deep freeze at that point in terms of shooting, you never would have known it by body language or anything said in the media. They were so genuinely happy for each other. And, and it wasn't like, oh, this guy's stealing my thunder. And so to me, the, the team chemistry, the selflessness, the fact that they were all willing to sacrifice for we over me, uh, as, as well as any club I've been around, that to me is what I'll remember this group for. And yes, you know, the redemptive arcs you talked about of several guys that for different reasons had, had rough stretches and yet it all kind of clicked in the end. And I, I think about so many Kansas teams under both Roy Williams and Bill Self that peaked too early, maybe in mid-February, or, or maybe they, they, they peaked heading into March, but, but then fizzled with the wrong matchup. This was a club that peaked at the right time, and, and for as fortuitous of a path as they wound up getting, which is absolutely something that needs to be mentioned, I still think they played as good a basketball as anybody in the tournament. When you look at the second half in the Elite Eight, the first half in the Final Four, and the second half in the title game, that's as good as anybody looked the whole tourney. So as the old cliche says, you know, it's, it's, people say it's better to be lucky than good. In this case, it's great to be lucky and really good. And I think in, in Kansas's case, they were both. 
it was a better pass than they've had some years, but they also turned in examples of hitting on all cylinders far greater than they had at any prior point in the season, truly when it mattered most. And that's, that's what it takes because, as we've said on this show, Many times, it's the toughest postseason format in American sports because there's no margin for error. And so timing was on their side. Chemistry was on their side. Uh, and, and clearly a, a path that kind of opened up a little bit. But they still had to go out and seize it, and they clearly did. And I'm so stinking proud of them that that was the case. Is there something that a coach can do or, that, or I, I don't know, or that a team can do to become a, a group of, of, of players that's as close as this one is? Because even if they hadn't wound up winning the national championship, it was a storyline all year how much this group of guys likes, liked each other. Is there something that can be done to manufacture that, or is it just one of those things that sometimes you're lucky that some years the players get along better than other years? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's 101 things you could do that are team-building and, and bonding-type exercises. You see it at the corporate level when they take two-day retreats and do the trust fall, right? I'm sure you guys have done that as an RCST hosting crew. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but, uh, but no, I, I think in this case, Adam, there were special circumstances beyond any type of team-building thing that Coach Self could have implemented. It, it starts with the personality types of each individual. And like I said, the fact that the superstar on this team was so naturally humble and naturally quick to deflect praise and put it on others. But then also the fact that they went through something together, most of them, in 2020, where they felt robbed of this. And it was kind of a battle cry, the fact that, you know, they were robbed of the chance to back up the fact that they were the best team once the tournament got canceled. I I think that helped them pull even closer together. I think when they got drubbed by USC last year and and heard all the talk about needing to get more athletic, it made the the huddle even tighter amongst those guys. And, and it pushed them to push each other, you know, because it's largely the same group. I mean, we added Remy and a couple other reserve pieces, but it's largely the same group of guys. And yet, how many coaches on the way to the title game, Jim Laranega, Jay Wright, et cetera, said, geez, this is the fastest team we played against all year. You know, and so I, I think it was a combination of, of circumstances, previous experiences, adversity, personality, and, and then just the togetherness to, to rise above all of that and deliver on the ultimate goal. And so I'm so proud of them. You know, it's, it's not going to be easy to, to have runs like that in this new day and age where the transfer portal is so popular because you're going to be fitting in new pieces at the last minute and hoping they click like it did for Texas Tech. But in many cases, it won't, or it'll take longer to click than it did. And that's why I think this particular blend was perfect. You had a core group that had been together for three-plus years, and then you added in a couple of pieces on the auxiliary that didn't have to be the primary catalyst, but when called upon, could step up and deliver like Remy did, as opposed to trying to make that the nucleus of your team and then not having any of those you know, togetherness-type moments to draw from that come only from having played together for two or three years. So really good blend of, of all those factors, and uh, I don't know when we'll see it again as good as it was this year, but, man, that was special, no doubt. Yeah, it was. And, uh, Brian, you'll be very busy this weekend. you got baseball tonight, obviously the spring preview tomorrow, the parade on, on Sunday. So uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk with us. Before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, Brian, one last thing. I told Derek after uh, the win Monday night that he and I should take a video of us doing a celebratory shot and text nope. it to Bill Self. Uh, Derek uh, backed out on that. 
not just going to send a who's, video who's, to someone and be like, who is this Whose idiot? side are you on there, De- Derek's or mine? <laughs> I mean, I don't think Coach Stuff would mind it. I'm sure he's had over 2,000 texts since <laughs> Monday night from people all over the country, and there's probably stuff way wilder than that of fans celebrating with, with different uh, practices. So I don't think he'd mind too much. I, I, I Trying to think what kind of shot he'd prefer you take. I probably shouldn't disclose that, but I don't know. I think uh, but no, I think I, I could I, figure it out. Well, we we've discussed yeah. earlier when <laughs> I, I think you got um, a nice bottle of something when we talked about your favorite Christmas gifts before the first of the year, and I mentioned I'm a bourbon I'm a bourbon guy. So if it were up to me, it'd be some sort of brown liquor. There, there you go. There you go. Now I think better than texting him that though. Just uh, you know, in person next time you see him, let him know the memories that that he helped uh, spark that you'll have for the rest of your life when you got to take that shot and then go down with seventy thousand of your closest friends on Mass Street on Monday night. But uh, but yeah, I think I think he's probably heard from all parts of the world with uh, different folks telling him how amazing Monday was and and probably in very creative ways. So that would certainly top the list if you guys did that. All right, well, here's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Brian, thank you again, as always, for coming on. And a quick message from Nate Miller. Yeah, that's right. Just like the Jayhawks had their game plan versus UNC, you need a game plan, too, for your financial future. And my buddy Nate Miller at the Miller Retirement Group would love to sit down and help you either – you know, trim up your portfolio and get it in tip-top shape or start to build one if that's where you're at. But uh, he and his team have excellent insights and, and foresight on what are the most uh, profitable financial future decisions you could possibly make with your investments. Check them out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. Thanks a lot, guys. And, and if it works with your schedule, let's do it again next week and uh, we'll recap spring football and uh, kind of put a bow and a wrap on a full season of coverage. Sound good? There we go. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, fellas. All right. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right. That's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.